Dr. J Interviews is a collection of candid conversations with good black and professional men regarding life and career choices. I'm your host, Dr. J McCarthy. I want to go ahead and welcome to my show, Mr. Jackson. How you doing today, brother? What's going on, man? I'm doing well, man. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. You're looking good, man. Looking healthy. You know, I'm trying to, you know, I got to keep my wife smiling at me when I walk through the door, (laughs) man. So I got to make sure I do my (laughs) push-ups. And that's important, man. So I'm going to go ahead and tell our listeners how we met a little bit into the interview. Let's just go ahead and just dive right in and tell these guys, what do you guys do for a living? Man, so, well, first of all, I'll preface that we do a lot of different things. So both of my, my wife and I, we're both in higher education. Um, Actually, just recently, my wife switched back to uh, high school level education and coaching as well at Little Elm High School. I myself, I work at University of Texas at Dallas in the Behavior and Brain Science Department. Um, I teach uh, seminar classes in our department and also uh, community-based service learning as well as academic advising. So that's one half of us. The other half is KBJ Academy, Mm -hmm. uh, which you already know this, but all of our listeners that's out there, we, uh, my wife and I, we coach college basketball for eight years. Um, actually started AAU, then went up to junior college level and then went to division one, was successful on all levels. And, um, right after our last year, when we was on that division one level, uh, we started running our own business, KBJ Academy. We pretty much do business to business contracts with a lot of other basketball, basketball organizations around the country. We travel the country doing camps, clinics, and retreats. One main company that we work with a lot is high school, all American hoops, where we, basically run their showcase events, which they events is focused on marketing and showcasing high school athletes and trying to get them recruited, putting them in a database full of about 6,000 college coaches, recruiters on all levels and all platforms, uh, try to get them a scholarship, you know, try to get them to further their dreams. So that's what we do. We are all published authors. We wrote a book uh, called Play College Basketball based on us being successful as college coaches. Also, being great at recruiting and know what college coaches and recruiters want to look for, want to see you do to offer you forty, fifty thousand dollars to come represent the institution. Um, we also have a podcast as well called Coffee with KBJ. We actually just we're in the middle of our seventh season of Coffee nice. with KBJ. Yes, yes. Uh, we're actually just we finished uh, episode six on Monday. So we on uh, Monday nights at 730. Our hosting site is Spreaker dot com. It's like speaker, but with an R. OK. Um, so, yeah, but we're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, also, uh, Amazon is getting into podcasts. So we'll be uh, on Amazon as well. And our other podcast we have, we only have two seasons of that, but that's called Hoops with KBJ. And we're just talking basketball on that one. I mean, that's all basketball recruiting, offensive and defensive stuff. I mean, that's when you really get to tap into the mastermind (laughs) of that. Um, But that that yeah, man, that that's what we do. And we're bloggers as well. So, man, we look we're into a little bit of any everything. Um, But all in all, you know, we're both uh, two purpose driven people. Uh, whatever God wants us to do, man, that's where we're going. That's what we're doing. And also all about motivating and uplifting other people to 
be successful, you know, all the time, you know, helping our neighbor. Uh, we preach that, we walk that out as best as we can, and we, we teach as many people, you know, to do the same as well. Because I always say, hey, if everybody did a little bit to do their part, man, wow, what can this world be? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. so you know, I, I ask this question to most people that come on. For you, it's going to be a two-part question uh, because you had some experience in the, the collegiate coaching realm, and then mm-hmm. now you're an entrepreneur. So on the collegiate side, for someone that wants to get into collegiate coaching, could you give them a ballpark figure uh, about a salary range that they should be expecting? And then on the entrepreneurial side, I know that's a little bit trickier because you have contracts. You can't really get into that. But uh, can you kind of give people like an idea of a range that they would be looking at if they wanted to get into, you know, like doing camps, clinics and things of that nature? And like I said, I know it's a very broad question. Right. uh, But just kind of like if a young brother came up to you and he was looking to you as a mentor what kind right. of idea could realistic expectation could you get somebody just starting off? Because I know right. you guys are established now, so that changes. Right, right, right. Well, I'll start, uh, start with the coaching question. Um, I'll just say, because, I mean, salaries, they 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 will range per whatever level um, that you're on. So starting at the junior college level, I mean, for a head coach, and it also depends on the financial state of the athletic department as well. So, for example, we used to coach in Region 14, which is one of the toughest junior college uh, conferences in the whole entire country. Uh, and it's also one of two uh, different conferences in the state of Texas. There's Region 14 and the other one is Region 5. Where Region 14, as, a, as coaches on, at, at any of those schools, those schools give 12 full athletic scholarships. And most of the jobs were athletic-based, not academic base. I'll tell you the difference. So an academic base salary on the JUCO level or any coaching level at that means the base, your base salary comes for you teaching in the classroom, right? And then the coaching part is a stipend basically, kind of like high school. I got you. But there are some high schools that actually do what what I'm accustomed to, which is athletic base salary, which means your base salary is for coaching. And then if you do teach, that's basically icing on the cake. That's extra to you. Um, now, let's just say you got a decent um, athletic program that has decent funding. Um, again, most of the schools in Region 14, when we coached in, they gave 12 full rides as far as like scholarship goes. So you you can pretty much say that most of those programs were well funded. And we coached at Lyme Morris Junior College at the time. And for the head coach, I mean, you started off with basically 50 um, for that job. Now, if you had Trinity Valley, for example, which, you know, they are known around the country, known for men's and women's basketball, and they have a little bit better funding than a lot of other schools. So you're talking about your head coach at maybe Trinity Valley getting paid probably low major D1 head coaching money. You know, I mean, 80, almost 90,000, you know, as well as maybe the first assistant getting paid maybe 50, you know, so it ranges. Now, on that Division One level, now, obviously, keep in mind, there's, even though it's D1 and most people just kind of lump those together, it's, it's three different levels on that Division One level. There's high major, mid major, and there's low major. I mean, if you at a high major BCS school for a head coach, 
it depends on again what conference, what school, what funding. Like for example, everybody just saw Vic Schaefer on the women's side get the head women's coach at the University of Texas. And I'm pretty sure if you just go Google and flip through the through the newspaper clippings, you'll see the big thirteen and a half million dollar <laughs> contract he just got. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so yeah. So you're looking at those guys like him, Kim Mokey and Gino Arema, you know, they're in the millions. You know, on the football side of things, you go Nick Saban to Alabama, for example, on the football. I mean, you millions and millions, you know, so it, it ranges. But I'll just say maybe I'll pick low major, a low major head D1 job, probably um, on the low end, 80 on the low end that maybe you start about probably with extra added incentives. OK, um, now, obviously, if I just told you how much it varies for the head job, obviously assistants, they vary so much. I mean, you can vary. <laughs> Man, when I tell you that's a wide range, I'm not kidding. Like you may say or see ranges from 20000 to maybe the first assistant. If you can be the first assistant, maybe are in six figures, you know, whichever, however that six figures falls. But I will tell you, uh, as far as salary goes, if you are an assistant coach, it really depends on what the how the head coach wants to disperse money. So if they're not that greedy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it filters down. Now, entrepreneur-wise, man, first of all, uh, it'll take you a good five years starting your own business to really see some um, income in a way of where your trajectory is going to go. Um, I mean, obviously, if you can get out of that, that norm of what they say, especially when you're st on a startup business, you know, that first one to three years, you know, most businesses don't even last after the first year, especially mm -hmm. when you're a startup. But you can get in year three, one to three years, you're basically operating in red, basically. You know what I mean? So it's not till that fifth year, maybe you got a little black, but it ain't you ain't walking in millions. Not like that, because it really don't happen overnight. But that's one of the biggest frustrations with being an entrepreneur. Some people think it's going to happen overnight. Like you just wake up and you, man, I'm making it. I'm a millionaire. I got my own business, so I'm swagging it now. No, <laughs> it don't work like that. It's probably, I'll be honest with you, man, you know, real talk, you know, sleepless nights, you know, you up, especially man to man. I'm up, man, I'm Dang near in tears. I'm like, man, how this gonna work? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. I shouldn't have stepped out on faith like this, you know. Yeah. But it, it it is a grind. Probably, um, if if you're good at managing, that that'd be the one thing I'll say. Have a good money manager on your side if it's not yourself. Um, that way you can see what your trajectory is. Particularly, even if it's in the first year, you can make a little money. Probably say if you want to. Just run some camps, be an AAU or have an AAU organization. Now, I'm going to keep it real. I know some AAU organizations. Whew, and one summer, in one summer, they making 60 grand. You know, that's just in the summer months. You know, you're not, that's not to even counting what they may, what you would want to call as far as an extension of the AAU program throughout the year. You know, but in the summer months, they're making 60,000. I know them. I know them very well. I know a lot of organizations like that. So you can you can get it. It's just about what your planning is, how you go about it, and whoever that 
financial planner and money manager is. If it's not yourself, you better get somebody smarter than you <laughs> to do it, you know, and stay away from debt as much as you can. If you can avoid it, avoid it. Um, but if not, man, be smart about where you get your loans, how you manage your loans and different things like that, because that can also put you in the hole, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to start things up, whether it's any kind of business, let alone something in sports. So Mr. Jackson wakes up and then what? what's a typical day for you? Oh, man. So during the week, you know, I'm all things at the university at UTD. You know, we're working remote right now instead of being on campus because of COVID-19. So I wake up, uh, pop open that laptop. Well, you know, I got to watch my boy Skip and Shannon on Undisputed. And, you know, <laughs> throw some hate darts at my man, Luca. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I get up there. Um, yeah, I'm a coffee drinker, so I got to get my cup of joe going. Um, I tell everybody all the time, man, I know I probably look like I'm 21. I just stepped off the college campus, but I'm up there in age. <laughs> I just keep the gray hairs tucked in behind and underneath in my beard. But, you know, I, I love going on the balcony in the mornings and drinking my cup of joe, getting my thoughts together. Pop open the laptop. Always check my emails. Um, answer my students' questions, get my class. If it's on Wednesdays, that's when I teach my class back to back. So I'm on doing that. Um, and then, you know, after five, it's KBJ stuff. You know, if we're podcasting that night, I'm podcasting. Or if I'm, you know, filtering through emails, looking at contract offers and see who wants to, you know, do business, you know, I'm working with that getting my wife to send invoices or maybe someone didn't pay their invoice. So I get my wife, my wife is a shark. She get them. <laughs> <boy. laughs> so I'll stick them on her and get that. So that's pretty much my daily routine. And on weekends, that's when we're out traveling most of the time. Uh, we were just in Oklahoma city this past Saturday doing a showcase out there. Not, you know, not typical numbers that we usually would have due to COVID, but, it was good, man. It felt good being back in the gym because we hadn't been in the gym since March. Yeah. You know, I actually forgot it was the COVID-19 pandemic going on for a minute. <laughs> we was doing a, a a transition defense drill and I was getting into it. And my next thing I know, my mask is all down my neck. I was like, oh, my bad. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my typical week, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. was listening to one of your podcasts. And one thing I really admire about you and I love, I love the the husband wife dynamic that you guys have. And I should have wrote down the number of that podcast. It was either last week or the week before, but you were talking about uh, how you guys operate. And I think in that episode, you were discussing how you go out, you do the negotiating and then <laughs> yeah. you pass it over to her and she's the closer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So does that vary? Is that you guys have a formula or does it kind of depend on who the client is? So uh, it kind of, that structure that you heard on that podcast that night, my wife, first of all, my wife has been funny <laughs> that night, man. But we do operate similar like that for sure. Um, and it's something that actually honestly kind of organically formed um, in that sense to where, yeah, I am the one that you know, I go and negotiate the contract, you know. And it's and, and one reason why I say it's organically formed that way, because the, if the way we operate fits our personality. She's the financial person. She's the planner. You know, she's the she's more structured than me. Yeah. <laughs> me, I'm a little bit more free spirited. You know what I mean? If I I'm a big picture kind of guy. So 
I know the vision. I don't have to write it down. I just go execute it. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm kind of like the talent. You know, who, who who you got that's the talent over here? Okay, we're going to put the talent over here and make sure we get we hire everybody else to get all this other stuff running. And then talent, you go do your thing, like that kind of thing. So I'm the one that, hey, man, this is this is our organization. This is the service that we provide. We can do this for you. We can do this for you. Bam, bam, bam. This is how much it's going to be. Okay, cool. All right, cool. Let's shake on it. Let's send the contract over. Let's sign it. Hey, babe. All right, you do the financial side of send them this invoice. This is what they're getting. This is what they're going to pay for. Send them this. This is the due date that they said they're going to pay this invoice by. Boom. So she handles that. So it's like front end, back end. Um, but she has just as much stock in the business, I would say, probably more than I do. <laughs> she runs it, man. <laughs> so out of what you do, what is the most rewarding thing and what's the most frustrating thing? Oh, man. Well, I honestly, the most rewarding thing I would say is getting getting to do business and work with my wife, even back when we was coaching. You know, we were always able and that was probably the number one thing that I always say out in the recruiting field that would differentiate us from other people. I'm like, listen, you can get a male and female perspective on things, you know, on our team. You ain't going to get that over there, you know, that kind of thing. But um, it was just, man, we, we were best friends in college. We, we are still best friends, even though we're husband and wife now, like that dynamic, that connection just makes us flow with each other. I know what she's going to do. I, she knows what I'm going to do. I know what she's going to say. She knows what I'm going to say. Like, we don't have to work nothing out. Like it happens and it goes and it, it's with someone you love and you care about and you, you know, you. You want to see them as successful as you are more than anything. So that's the most rewarding thing to do. And I get to do it with my wife, my best friend. Uh, the most frustrating thing I would say with um, not just our dynamic, but I'll just say from an entrepreneur standpoint in general is you have to be OK with being told no. <laughs> you know, you and you very well may hear the no way more times than you hear yes you know and that's part of the risk so the risk can be frustrating for sure you know what i mean and then add on to that say uh say if my wife and i were to have a heated fellowship as i call it uh we don't have many <laughs> but it's one of those things where you know who's gonna fire who hey we're gonna see each other at home so. <laughs> I'm like, hey, baby, I know you're mad, but I'm going to see you at home on the couch, you know, <laughs> what we eating for dinner. <laughs> so that can get a little dicey at times. But yeah, yeah so that, to answer your question, that's some good and some frustrating up in there. <laughs> I think this is a good point to, to talk about how we met. So my uh, son, one of my many sons, was in one of their camps. Um, and what stood out to me wasn't even so much the skills, but it was the ability of both of you guys to communicate with the kids. And to be mm -hmm. real about their expectations, we've had people in our family play Division One ball, um, and I'm I'm one of these people who you know me. I am I, I love to just be transparent, and straight up front, and I appreciate that about you guys. Um, and not to mention, you guys are just a beautiful couple. Hashtag Black Love. Yeah, these guys are just. It, I, I love yeah. how you yin and yang off of each other. And I leaned over to my wife, and I was like, I like them, man. You know, and I was like, I'm going to go ahead yeah. and reach out to him afterwards <laughs> and see if he can come speak to my ball club. And sure enough, I contacted him like, Hey, man, I like what I saw. 
and we were actually scheduling it for this spring yeah. and then kind of COVID hit um, mm-hmm. and it just kind of, you know, threw everything away. But I remember in one of the discussions, you were talking to the kids a little bit about your background. So this probably be a good point just to kind of pivot. Tell me a little bit about your childhood when you grew up, your household and growing up as an adolescent. Well, yeah. Well, you know, my parents divorced when I was three. You know, so you know, I grew up mostly with my mom, single mom, you know, trying to raise two kids. I have an older sister and we're nine years apart. So I was always back and forth and we moved around a lot, man. You talking about going to a new school every other year. It was crazy, you know, having to be like, yo, I don't know if I want to be your friend because I may not be here in two months. You know, <laughs> like, like that kind of thing, you know, changing your address more and more and more. It, it was crazy. So I always was fluctuating back and forth between, you know, Texas or, you know, we've lived in Vegas, you know, Illinois, Georgia, Louisiana. My mom went to Canada for a month. I mean, we were all over the place, man. Um, but I spent uh, probably my like my high school years, for example, you know, my mom got a job in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So, boom, I was there. Um, didn't grow around, grow up around my father. Me and my father reconnected when I was in ninth grade. Um, and it was crazy, man. My mom, my dad suffered from, you know, drug addiction over the years. And, um, you know, he, he, if he was on here, you know, himself, he'll tell you, you know, one of the things he, you know, that brought him to the point where he wanted to get back into my life. You know, he was overdosed on cocaine and thought he was going to die laying in the middle of a hotel room floor uh, in the living room. And the first thought he said, oh, man, he's not going to see his son no more. Um, so that, uh, you know, um, gave him the unction, I would say to, uh, contact me. I never forget it. My mom was picking me up from, uh, my godfather's house that I was, uh, spending a couple nights over. Uh, we were driving down the highway and I just simply looked at him like, you know what? I am at my age right now. I'm sick and tired of everybody asking me what I'm going to do with my dad. And I ain't got nothing to tell him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. I mean, I apparently I look like this man. I, ain't, I don't even know where he is. I don't even know if it's true or not at this point. You know, like all these questions. And she was just looking at me while we driving down the road. And she pulled over. Uh, and, there, you know, it was back then when pay phones were still in use. So she uh, pulled over to a pay phone and she called him. And I'm looking at, first of all, my first thought was, you had his number the whole time? Like, <laughs> <laughs> where this been at? Hold up. You know, um, and I heard his voice on the phone, man. And I don't know. It was a way, oh, my goodness, well of emotions. You know, I don't even know where to start with that. Um, then that following weekend, we met up, man. And, um, you know, he's been in my life. And we've been trying to establish something ever since then, even now, at my age now as an adult. Um, we're still not what what uh, I would like it to be for as far as a father and son relationship. But, you know, it, I love him because he's my father. You know, I, I would have loved for him to have been around and, and teach me some things and, you know, do all those other things everybody else gets to do with their dad. But unfortunately, I didn't. Um, growing up with my mom, obviously, we never lived in any great neighborhood at all. <laughs> I mean, just to give you an example, I mean, if my wife was here, she'll tell you, you know, my mom, man, even to this day, she she will not put a chair or a couch in front of a window. <laughs> 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 and my wife found that out. And I didn't I forgot all about this this one time because we was helping my mom move into a place 
And my wife was just trying to adjust the couch in the living room. My mom was like, oh, wait, hold on, baby. I don't put no couch in front of the window now. You know, she's still in that mode. I'm like, mom, you ain't got to do that no more. You know, you're like, yeah. You know, but we grew up in neighborhoods that was, you know, rid with violence and drugs. And and you talking about statistics. The statistics were you either, if not selling drugs, you own them or you in jail or you're dead. You know, I mean, I had to fight every day just to get on a bus. You know what I mean? Or not to get jumped in some gang. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was a one-man gang. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had anger issues, you know, partially because there was no, you know, male figure around that I could trust or, or lean on. Because, number one, we always moved around. Mom always breaking up with her boyfriends and all of that good stuff. But, you know, that my dad wasn't around. You know, all of that stuff. So, you know, yeah, I would box all day long. <laughs> You know, so so it, it was rough, man. It was rough. Um, but I actually kind of on a bittersweet tip, probably somebody asked me one time, would you trade it? Um, and I honestly know. I mean, obviously, I like to describe how that that time in my life was. It was like the crap in the hallway. And when my life started to take a turn for the better, some I always describe it as somebody taught me what a Picasso looks like. You know, metaphorically, it was a whole way of doing better way of doing things, better life, better way to live. So once I saw that Picasso, I started chasing it. And I was starting to get in a different mindset about things. And I'm like, man, this is a generational thing now. I got to break these generational curses. So if anybody got to start with a higher level of thinking, why, why can't it be me? But if it wasn't for the crap in the hallway time. I don't think I would be the person that I am today as far as drive and motivation and grit and toughness, you know, and that um, that kind of thing where, man, you you so down in the dump sometimes, you know, I mean, you you kind of have experience of clawing your way out. Rather, if you never experienced that, you will you can identify with clawing out. You know what I mean? That that actually will cause you more problems than what your problem actually is. You know, so um, I wouldn't trade it, man. So that that that's kind of how my childhood went, you know, crap in the hallway. Then somebody again, somebody taught me what a Picasso was. And I saw that start chasing it. First person in my family to graduate college um, with a bachelor's degree. I got, you know, through sports. Got uh, accepted a scholarship at a Division One school, Southeast Louisiana University in the Southland Conference. Shout out to any Southland Conference people that's listening tonight. Um, yeah, Lions, go Lions, baby. Um, we, uh, man, that was that was just a blessing, man. Because honestly, I have no idea where I got my athletic ability from. Neither one of my parents played sports. My mom <laughs> did cheerleading for two days. And my dad was a band geek growing up, you know, so uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things I was just blessed with, you know, played basketball and football, um, but graduated with a kinesiology degree. I'm a science geek. Tell people all the time, I ain't nothing but a science nerd with a little bit of swag. <laughs> uh, went to grad school at the Concordia, uh, University of Concordia in Irvine, California, majored in athletic uh, administration and coaching. Um, got my you know degree in that. Still working on other people in my family to get that higher level of education. But the biggest thing for me on the education tip again that generational curse thing. Because at one point in my family it was enough. Okay, maybe you just graduated from high school 
go get you a job at Walmart or somewhere and go sit down. You know what I mean? That, that was like the high life. I'm like, no, nah, it got to be something better than this. Because I hear a garbage man make more than these people out here. No, I ain't doing that. I know you know, right. so once I got it, man, you know, I took it and ran with it. And it really um, did benefit my family in the sense of I knew they was looking at me in two areas. One, <laughs> they was looking at me in the sense of, hey, this clown tried college and he ain't succeed. So forget that. I ain't doing that. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> and then two. If he does succeed, then hmm, maybe it is hope for our family. And that's what it was. I succeeded. And then there was an inspiration that came after me. And a lot of now, a lot of my family members have degrees doing great things and all of that stuff, man. So, I um, mean, that's what it was for me, man. Even as, as a child, you know, everybody's always say, man, you've always been a deep thinker, you know, which is true. <laughs> always been a deep thinker, always been, uh, you know, kind of, uh, again, that, that grinder in a sense, like very optimistic person as a kid uh, growing up, even in troubled times. You know, I it's sorry to say, but sometimes going to sleep at night was like, you know, just like we could cut on the radio right now and go to fall asleep to some nice old school tunes or some classical jazz or something like that. On the flip side, I went to sleep to gunshots, you know, and, and sirens and and all of that kind of stuff. So now, actually, it's crazy when I hear that stuff now. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like home. What's interesting about that, so I grew up in the inner city in Ohio, right? And mm-hmm. I was telling my wife some stories, and, and we used to have a basketball court across the street. It was like an elementary school. Yeah. And the, the D-boys used to go out there because they had lights, and they'd be playing to like 11 o'clock. They always popping, you know, their pistol out in the air. And mm-hmm. when I was telling the story, I didn't realize how crazy that sounded because I had become so accustomed to it growing up. Yeah. Now that, you know, we're older, I look back like, man, that was pretty crazy. You know, that mm-hmm. our minds get accustomed. Would you say that sports while you were in high school kept you out of trouble? Oh, safe haven for sure, man. Safe haven for sure. Um, again, I'm growing up, I was a basketball player. I mean, you couldn't tell me I wasn't going to the NBA, boy. I mean, I, every time you saw me, I had a ball in my hand. I'm getting in trouble in the classroom because I'm dribbling. You know, I'm going between the legs, behind the back, everything. And then, you know, football came along. I I actually didn't start playing football until I was a freshman in high school. Um, It was just one of those things where I was throwing a football outside with one of the wide receivers one day, and that head football coach comes say, hey, man, you got some pretty good hands. You know, you should come off of football. I'm like, no, nah, bro, no, nah, I'm going to NBA. He like, bro, look at your height. You ain't going no NBA, man. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, no, no, you just hating at this point now. I don't even want to talk to you no more, coach. Let me finish talking to my guy over here, and let me go back in the gym get some buckets. I want you to step out here, you know, that kind of thing. I'm talking trash, and he like, no, seriously, you need to come out. You can catch the ball. And I'm like, man. So I don't know what possessed me to go to. This was right when they was about to have two a day football camp too. And, you know, back then, it's way different than it is now, boy. We can actually hit and, and do stuff like the bull ring and all of that back in back then. So I went. Of course, I didn't like it. Man, they knocked me two ways from Sunday. You know, <laughs> my helmet one way, cleek off one foot and chin strap. I don't even know what to do with it. I mean, it was bad. And my mom was one of those type of women. She still is. You know, if you start something, you have to finish it. So she wouldn't let me quit. And I was like, oh, I done messed up, man. I'm trying to be a ball player. And this dude got me out here on the grass. So I went back in that second week, man. And then, I don't know, something clicked in me. 
I mean, they started me on defense and I was playing um, strong safety position and the coach say, hey, man, uh, they're going to run a dive up the B gap. I need you to meet that running back after that linebacker right there takes on that block. I'm going to need you to meet him in the hole. I'm like, okay, that hole. Cool. He said, yeah, when the ball hike up, you just meet him. And that's exactly what I did. You know, and from that day forward, you know, football came very easy to me. It was something I was just naturally gifted at. I was a two-way starter. I played slot receiver on offense and defense strong safety, and it was never complex. Basketball was the same way. Not complex game to me at all. Very simple. You know, I knew everybody's position. I knew what everybody was supposed to do, where they were supposed to go, what they were supposed to talk like, act like, walk like, everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and, But that was I was so consumed in it because it took me away from the outside world. Yeah, You know what I mean? It, it really did, man. And then obviously with anything, you see a little, you see that you're having success in something. It just wants, you just want more of it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, you talk, we talked, I, I mentioned addiction earlier with my dad. That was my addiction, you know, being successful at sport. And then I wanted to be good. I didn't want to, you know, be terrible at it. So I worked and worked and worked and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced until I couldn't get it wrong. You know, so that was always a safe haven for me. And it, yes, it did. Kept me out of trouble. So my homeboys wanted to go hang out or, or do all this riffraff stuff. I ain't going to lie and say I didn't do some of it. You know what I mean? But for the most part, it always had to make me make a decision. Either you go work on your games so you can be good at this sport or go play around with your friends. Because if you know what happens with your friends, yeah, and that's gonna take away your time, you know, on the court or the field. So I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> Plus, if I can add a little funny in there, you know, I had a little girlfriend in high school. She started seeing the muscles on my arm, so I'm like, listen, I got this, bro. I holler at y'all later, man. You see that girl over there? She like touching these guns, so I gotta go get in this weight room. <laughs> but you know what? Your your work ethic and your discipline, I think, was really paramount in you breaking that glass ceiling for your family going on to college and setting that example uh, one question about college i big proponent of black love you know we don't we don't speak it much and i'm really big on changing the stigma of brothers man we got a slew of brothers out here taking care of their kids they're are loving mm -hmm. their wives you know we don't show that and it's not a fake thing for my listeners i sit here and watch these guys not only while they're interacting with the kids when they're off by themselves and on their podcast and you're gonna see i'm gonna post these links up on the webpage just the, the love you guys have your wife, you play college basketball too, right? Yeah, she was a power forward, man. You know, beautiful, prissy off the court. What, what's your love in basketball story? How'd you guys oh, meet? Oh, man, listen, I'm glad you're asking me. You don't tell it right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was already at Southeastern before she got there. She went to junior college at Lon Moore Junior College for two years before she came to Southeastern, where we actually met at. So I actually initially I saw her while she was on her recruiting official recruiting visit. Um, so during the summertime, all the athletes, man, we used to, they used to allow us to have summer jobs. So, you know, to make extra cash. And plus, that was also to keep us in summer school, too, because they didn't want us going home. So, yeah, especially the ones that wasn't eligible. <laughs> you had to go to summer school to make sure you're eligible for the next season. Uh, one of my summer jobs, I had um, I was over maintenancing the softball and baseball fields in the park. 
so they, uh, her head coach and assistant coach, they came riding her over there on the golf course. And I was standing there by the concession stand on break, drinking lemonade with one of my homeboys. And he's like, oh, man, look at that new basketball, you know, chick over there. I was like, where? So I looked at her. I was like, oh, she pretty. You know, turned around because he's like, listen, it was payday, too. And we were talking about getting off early. I was like, man, I'm finna go back to work, man. He's like, no, look at that girl, man. I was like, man, forget that girl. <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> let's go over here. You know, but I do, man. I was like, man, she, you know, she's pretty, you know. So uh, when school started that fall semester, I noticed she was in one of my classes. In one of my early classes, it was a class that I had uh, right after we had film session. We had film session like 530 in the morning. And then we had breakfast. Breakfast was mandatory, and they checked breakfast every single morning. So breakfast was at 6.30. Then after that, we had 7 o'clock class because they wanted all of us to be done with class by 12 or 1 because we had practice at 2, right? So, man, so I walked up. I was like, dang. She sit right in the front front row. First day, of course, you know how guys are sometimes. We, we in the back, you know, and not being studious. So. I saw her, I was like, oh, man, I, yo, the new basketball chick. I saw her out in the softball fields or whatever. So I peeped her. We go, the day goes by, I go to the locker room. I'm getting ready for practice. I got about <laughs> 10, 12 dudes roll up. Man, you seen that new basketball girl? Man, she's from Dallas, man. She light-skinned. You know, she got that hair, man. She supposed to be cold, but she fine, man. She fine, man. KJ, you know her? I'm like, man, I don't even know y'all talking about you know what I mean? So everybody was talking about it. And then one of my one of my teammates is like, you know, the girl that was in class, they're sitting in the front row. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know her like that. But yeah, I saw her. So uh, and, and, and and it was crazy because I actually one day she was in Buffalo Wild Wings with her boyfriend. She was dating at someone at the time. And I we had homework due in this class and I approached her and I was like, hey, yeah, uh, you know, sorry, you know, I don't want to intrude, but I really want to know, did you do that homework? <laughs> She's like, what homework? And then her boyfriend took both of their wings and he just jetted out of there mad. And I was like, I ain't trying to holler at your girl. <laughs> I just want to know, like, did she do this homework? Actually, and my friend that was with me, he tried to get her phone number. <laughs> so she was like, well, I don't know what homework you're talking about. Here, here go my number. You know, take my number. We can get the homework done or whatever. My friend, he going to whip out his little phone and takes her number down. <laughs> I was like, this dude, they tripping. So I get a number. I call her. You know, I go over to her place and strictly homework business. Nothing else. No hidden agenda. No nothing. And her teammate is there. So she's trying to hook me up with her teammate because she feel like me and her teammate is vibing. Which I'm like, we're what vibing like that. She was asking me questions. I was simply asking and, you know, answering them. So she had left initially and then came back. She's like, oh, I thought y'all was hitting it off. I was like, no. And then apparently when I left that night, her friend told her, no, girl, he interested in you. Which it wasn't like that at all. It was see, she in the background talking about some, yeah, okay. <laughs> Listen, she in the background, all in all kind of, yeah, okay, yeah. Told her, I told you, she wouldn't tell her, right? This is the true story. So I see her again. We started, man, we just started becoming friends, man. Like, you know, having class together, start talking. Both of us have a Dallas, Texas connection and, and crazy because 
Well, my dad lives in Oak Cliff and where her family lives in Cedar Hill, they literally live five miles down the road from each other and we never crossed paths. You know, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So we had that connection and going and she really, be, it, it's like or it, it organically just formed into this mad best friend type stuff. I mean, I was kicking it more with her and going hoop. I'm, that was another thing. I'm like, man, you cool in the fan. I can go hoop with you too? And all I got to do is just give you some Jordan shorts and a pair of Jordans and you cool? Like, what girl do that, you know? <laughs> you know, so, and then my homeboy's like, damn, man, you always kicking it with her, but she was just so cool. And she would come kick it with me and my fellas, you know, all of this. And then, man, um, <laughs> she going to kill me for telling y'all this part. She was asked to go on a study date with somebody else. This is after she broke up with her guy. Um, and she asked me to come alone, and it was in the library. I was like, well, I'll be honest with you, I didn't go to the library that much. I ain't never had no reason to go to the library. <laughs> so she said, yeah. So I said, come pick me up. So she came and picked me up. And for whatever reason, I never looked at her any kind of way until this day. She came, picked me up. I don't know. She get out of her out of her door first. And I looked over and I'm like, oh, what? I didn't know you had all that back. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. <laughs> so I finally gets out. And the whole time. I am staring at her, but the whole time we're walking in the library, I mean, my book sack, hands, I'm clapped underneath the straps of my backpack, and I'm just like, I'm zoned out. So we get on the elevator. I'm still staring at her. She was like, will you get your eyes up, please? I'm like, what? <laughs> she was like, I asked her, I said, how long you had this? Like, I didn't, and she was like, no, I've been here the whole entire time. I say, really? Like, <laughs> like Man, I mean, I always thought she was beautiful and everything, but it just because I we were just so great friends, I didn't think. Plus, I was doing my thing, and I just she had her thing to my knowledge, and it just was, you know, just totally cool, like no agenda type stuff. So we get up to the study room with the other dude, and them two studying. I ain't took, I ain't, I hadn't taken out a book, a pencil, piece of paper, nothing. I still got my book sack on my back. I'm staring at her. She she kicking me under the table like, will you take a book out? I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my around, mind around what I just discovered in this car, man. So after that, man, we just we we start showing up more and more at each other's games, and I like I could tell you all her stats every night. I could tell you her stat, stat line by stat line, and I would coach her. And then her friends would be like, yo, I think y'all like each other more than y'all putting on. My friends would say the same thing. And then one day, man, we uh we had that convo and uh had that first kiss and it was a wrap. You know, we've been we've been holding it down ever since then. You know, we've been married, we'll make eight years marriage wise, uh, in December. Nice. Um, December twenty second. Um, but we've been together. And knowing each other, man, goodness gracious, what, 15, 16 years almost. Wow. And see, that's the reason reason why I asked this. I think it's important for young men to know the art of courting. You know, I I, I think it's a lost art right now. Um, Not to say that, you know, but 
there's a lost art, you know, like, like I teach my older sons, just talk, become friends. You know, that we're in this culture where everyone's just quick to try to sleep with each other. And, oh, yeah. You know, instead of like learning what a person's about, what's their moral fabric? Do you guys have mm-hmm. connections? You know, so that's what I really right. love about your story. You guys were friends. You, you, you supported her and her endeavors and vice versa. And like oh, I said, yeah. It shows, man. It shows. Oh, yeah. I see you guys interact with each other, man. It's well, you know, the biggest thing was I was just, I was in awe that here's a, a beautiful woman who <laughs> loves sports just as much as I do. And it, and she's great at it. I mean, she can hoop. I, we would, I would pick her on my team in the wreck before I would pick any dude because she's been to give you 20. You know what I mean? Like, it was crazy. <laughs> and I can have real conversation with you know because you know we both were known athletes in school and sometimes i would go places where people didn't even know me just so i could have an honest no agenda type conversation because sometimes i mean i had to have i mean i had to develop a little bit of a trust issue with people all the time because i'll be like you know why you know me Is it because i go touchdowns uh, on saturdays or you know you think i'm finna go to the league or i mean why you want to have this connection but with her, it was nothing like that. I never had no feeling or ill will or anything like that. It was great, man. And I'm like, here's a woman, you know, that not only just my friend and we, we love each other and we like each other, but we can have conversation on multiple different platforms. We could talk religion. We could talk politics. We can talk history. We can talk novels, movies, like sports, obviously, games. Even though she be lying, telling people she beat me in 2K, that ain't never happened. <laughs> but she says, she tells people that that never happened, not once. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, that's what it was, man. And and it it's a great feeling. And, you know, it was so different from, because growing up when I was young, you know, I had uncles, you know, and back then they used to tell me all the time, you ain't, you ain't a man unless you got about 20 of them on your team and you knocking down every last one of them. That's, that's what the definition of a man is. And I like to tell a lot of young guys, you know, today I'm like you, you know, that chivalrous act or that courting stage, like that should be the thing. You know, don't let the world define what a man actually is, because most of the world will tell you, like my uncles used to tell me, you know, listen, go round them up, knock them down, tag them left and right. That is your man. Beat your chest out. No, man, that ain't going to do nothing to cause you more problems. That's number one. And number two, man, that 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 is is so much more involved in being a man, especially when you go and you court a woman and then you become one and married. You know, now you are the head of the household, the leader. But yet knowing that the woman walks side by side with you, she's your helper, not your person that rides you on the backside or in the front. She walks side with you. Y'all do it together. You know what I mean? You 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 are in a covenant with God. You are it's your responsibility because the Bible will say, you know, it talks about that a man could bring death to his wife and his family. You know what I mean? So it's way more and I can go on and on and on with that. No one wanna start preaching, but you know, it's way more to being a man in that aspect than than what you and I for sure probably were told growing up. And and that's and that's why I think that that communication with a lot of our young brothers, especially this day and age, too, because, you know, it's kind of one of those revolving doors. 
you know, if we were told that thing, I mean, it ain't stopped, you know, they just say it in other ways. And then obviously it's shown on TV, yeah, exactly. you know, it's magnified in music these days and different things like that. So, man, these kids are on the, a lot of pressure and they have a lot of bad example of, of, way, of what things are and what they supposed to be like. I agree. I mm-hmm. agree wholeheartedly. Well, we're we going to have to get together and, you know, I, you know, this is a thing like, you know, they say that there's no good fathers out there. All my all my, my homies are awesome fathers. Awesome fathers, man. All my guys that are married, awesome husbands. You know, you don't see that, you know. So mm-hmm. part of this, even this podcast, I want to show that there's some good brothers out here doing it, that are speaking encouraging words to these young men, just doing our part and trying to sow back. So we're at the part right now where I ask these three questions I ask all our viewers. Now, you kind of answered this one a little bit earlier. We all know that our past kind of made us, like you said, it gave you your grit, it gave you your moxie, you were not. Right. It made us who we are. But if you can go back and you could talk to the old, the old KJ, what kind of advice would you give to him? Oh, man. Whew. Well, <laughs> first thing I would tell young KJ is to be obedient to God's purpose in your life. And and, and on, on right after that, find out what God's purpose is for your life. You know what I mean? Because, again, it's one of those things where you can let the Lord tell you who you are or you can let the world tell you who you are. The problem is you're going to get told one way or the other. You you make the choice of who you're going to listen to. I would have made that choice. I, well, I would have told KJ to make that choice to listen to God a little bit more sooner than what I did. Because I ran I ran for years from my calling, man. I, oh, my goodness. I ran like you some boat. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, man, I'm, I'm running. He, he used some boat. He was running to the finish line to greatness. I was running away to the opposite direction. Once I was told like a lot of different things of uh, of what the purposes is that God wanted to have for his will for me and my life, man. And I rejected it, you know, and I, I wasted so much time with that. So that would be the first and biggest. Honestly, the main thing that I would tell him is be obedient to what the Lord has for you for sure. Um, that would have caused me a, now I wouldn't say it would have hundred percent caused me no heartache and pain because, you know, that would, it wouldn't be biblical to say everything is going to be peaches and cream, but it would have minimized some stuff for sure. So, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, one big thing with me, I'm really big on strengthening one's mind, body, and spirit. So can you share how you personally strengthen either one of all three of these areas? Mm hmm. Well, Oh man, spirit wise, my favorite scripture is Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um and, and again, I'm a firm believer. I'm I I believe wholeheartedly in the power of God, the power of Christ and the the power of his blood that he shed for me, that he rose on the third day to come back to, to take the keys from hell, um, that I may walk with boldness and confidence on this earth, knowing that I fight from victory. I ain't fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory because he already won the battle for me. Um, so that's where I'm coming from on that spiritual talk. Obviously, I'm into fitness on the body side. I love fitness. It's always been a part of my life. I don't, I, man, I'm going to be 90 years old. If the Lord say the same, let me get to that age. I'm still going to be in the corner doing push-ups, wrinkle and all, you know. So <laughs> I definitely would encourage somebody on that body tip to 
You know, you don't have to wholeheartedly be just, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or anything. But, you know, listen, my coach, I put it this way. The best ability is availability. So if you're not available mentally or spiritually or physically, how are you going to show your kids the right way or learn what you need to learn to progress and growth within yourself as a man or a woman or whoever, all these different things, you know what I mean? Fitness can help out with that. It could, you know, extend and add longevity to you or, you know, or and balance as well. Cause life, life happens. It's all around us. It's happening right now. Yeah. And if you don't have a certain amount of balance in you, you're going to drive yourself crazy. So definitely, you know, fitness, get into running, eating, you know, I ain't the best eating person. That's why I work out as hard as I do <laughs> so I can so I can have those guilty pleasures and not feel that bad about it. Um, but yeah, eating right, drinking water, all of those different things. And um, mine, man, um, I would say from the mind tip, never get to where you can't learn something. Um, <laughs> if you get if you get to a point where you ain't learning, you ain't living. And that's just my opinion. Um and I say that because obviously our world, we living in the world until Jesus calls us home. You know what I mean? The, the Bible talks about I am a spirit uh, that has a soul and I live in a body. You know, when, when this world ends, our body stays here, you know, and our spirit is one will will ascend up to heaven. Um, but while we're here, what are you feeding it? You know what I mean? How are you learning? And this is an ever-changing world. And if you don't know what's going on, or if you're not, if you're just oblivious to, you know, what our president is doing in the office, or or what's the weather today, or why did this ground and the earthquake just shift? What was those platonic shifts, or why does the cervical area of your brain don't fully develop until the age of 25 anyway from a maturity factor like all those type of things if you don't learn in that type of stuff you're not living because they also go with the times and you need to as well because you're going to be like that movie left behind so you know always always learn <laughs> seriously <laughs> always learn man i love to learn i learn every day i learn from something even and it and i would tell i tell young people too you know never think you're too young to teach somebody something i mean just because you're young don't mean you can't be a star you know that doesn't have no age limit you know all this stuff. i can't tell you how many child prodigies i'd have met in my lifetime lord knows i'm so thankful that i've met them i'm like wow this is cool Dude, 13 years old and he building a rocket. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen 15 year old graduate with bachelor's degrees in college. You know, we got some at the university where I work at. You know, that is awesome. You know what I mean? But I learn from those. I learn from young people, old people. I'm learning things from vibing with you on this podcast. Thanks for having me again, oh, by man, the way. I love it. I love you it, know, man. but um, you know, so yeah, that that's that's what I would say to cover mind, body, and spirit, man. That's Sure, because I'm so big on that as well. Those three things, you know, it's so many uh, trinities, as you can say, or things that go in threes, biblically and in the carnal sense that we don't even recognize or think about, but they're there. Yeah. You know, it's kind of off subject, but I'm, like I said, I'm from Ohio. When we first moved here, I was looking at that university. They have a really dope mocap lab there. They have like a, yeah. a arts and technology department. So that's a really cool 
University. I know yeah, we didn't talk man. much about your teaching, but what was the course you said you teach there again? So I I teach seminar, freshman seminar classes, and I teach community-based service learning. So in the seminar classes, I'm educating our students, particularly all the incoming freshmen in the areas of their concentrations, which in our department, we cover neuroscience, cognitive science, which is a makeup of five different things, psychology, computer science, cognitive science, neuroscience, and math, a whole lot of math. I mean, you get all the way up to linear algebra with that. Um, another one of our concentrations is psychology, speech, language, and hearing, um, and child learning and development. So all of those concentrations, I kind of dive into each one with our students, educating them on career paths and choices with those concentrations. Also do's and don'ts about just, um, GPAs and establishing a good degree plan and following a degree plan. You know, what are your goals? How are you going to get there? Like all of these different things. So. That's what that class is under those umbrellas of concentration. And my community-based service learning class, I teach that in the spring semester. That's our department's way of getting out in community and doing community service. Um, so, for example, um, I am over a group. We call it hashtag growth. So we are in contact with Richardson ISD. And we go to the high school. And I may have like 12 students from UTD. We go over there. We work with all of the ESL kids or their um, kids that are all foreigners. Most of them probably just got during halfway through the semester to America, different things like that. And the objective is to give them a sense of belonging, you know, just because you maybe don't speak English, you know, as well as I do. Or maybe you're not from America doesn't mean you don't belong. You know what I mean? And if, you know, you don't belong doesn't mean you're an alien. So. Each one of my students, I do three weeks of training them on how to interact with the students, some different things from a motivation and inspirational standpoint that they could use to motivate those students to, you know, grow within themselves and different things like that. And then the other 10 weeks in the semester, we call it out in the field. Each one of my students take turns teaching a specific topic. The topics range from leadership all the way to financial peace you know, to these kids, you know what I mean? And then also my college kids are also getting and, you know, achieves, achieving an objective, I would say. Maybe they came into the class with one view of the world, but they left with another, you know what I mean? So that's the objective and the goal for them. And I love that class, man. It really gets people um, a sense of community because, you know, loneliness in this world is a real thing. Even when you are around people, you can still feel lonely and not a part of a community, you know. So uh, obviously, if you can feel like that and be from here and be around people, what do you think a foreigner feels like? You know, different things like that. So that's what we do, man. And, And it's amazing to see the growth of those high school kids that we connect with. And, and, you know, from when we come in, cause they kind of like iffy about you, you know what I mean? Don't really understand you. Some of them looking at you. Why are you here? Why are you telling me this? I don't want to, I just want to go back and do this. And then you see them at the end of the semester, they hugging you. Man, I want to come to your school. Like, yeah, you know, high five. And then you see your kids from, from the college just, you know, they're in tears because, you know, they, some of them, I get sometimes they, they don't have high confidence. They got very low confidence. They're very unsure of themselves. And then, you know, they meet someone that helps them find that inner power 
in them to export on somebody else and they help them be, you know, on an upward rise, man, now they're in tears because they're like, I didn't know that I can do that. Well, you know, you can do the impossible if you believe, you know, so it's kind of one of those things where, like the Bible says in Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed by the transforming and renewing of your mind. You know, think differently. If you think differently, you'll do differently. To be a better human, you have to change your behavior. All those things intertwine. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, brother. Well, that brings to the yeah. last question, man. This, I, I really enjoyed this conversation, man. And throughout this conversation, is there anything that we didn't cover that you would like to speak to uh, speak life to these young brothers, whether it be something we didn't cover, uh, a job path, maybe they want to be an entrepreneur, just anything that we didn't speak of that you would at least the last words for them. Uh, well, one thing on since you said mentioned entrepreneur, I will tell you if you are and you know if you do inspire to be an entrepreneur, I will tell you, um, Hubaka in the book of Hubaka in the Bible, they write the vision down and make it plain write it down and make it plain you you can't go anywhere if you don't know where you're going so if you're a journaler put it in your journal or if you're not a journalist just get, grab a piece of paper or somewhere near you write down your your vision or what you dream about or, or what you want to do that's where you start and it and then every time something comes to your mind write it down and you'll see that thing get built um, so I do want to encourage all of those inspiring entrepreneurs that's out there, whether you're young or old. Also, if you are old, you're never too old to start a different career path. Exactly. Some people talk about, I'm too old for this. No, you're not. No, you're not. I, I've, I've graduated a 67-year-old lady, you know what I mean, who told me when I first met her, she was too old only to graduate top of her class awesome. with her, her bachelor's degree Love it. in neuroscience. Oh, wow. I'm like, what? And at her graduation, I'm like, what? Too old. <laughs> She's like, man, you you told me. I'm, oh, yes. You know what I mean? But that's because, you know, she met someone to speak life into her dream. And that's another word of encouragement that I want to tell entrepreneurs. You know, watch who you watch who you tell your dream to or you tell your business plan to, you know, because not everyone is going to be for you in that sense. You know, some people will steal it. You know, or some people will simply just throw weeds in your garden. Okay, Amen. what you got planted is pretty, pretty red roses. Somebody in there throws some weeds in there. So you want that person, you know, or build you a team that's going to speak life into that dream and also help you get there. Um, that's for sure. And also with the entrepreneur tip, I will tell you, don't let frustration take you out. You know, is that wall of adversity? Yeah, it's going to show it and rear its ugly head. But you tell that wall two things. You're either going to get out of my way or I'm going to go through you. Okay, but I'm not staying here. If you can get that mentality, then I don't see why anybody's business, whether it's a startup or maybe you're just trying to redo some things with your organization. I don't see either way how it can't be successful with that mentality. And then just a tip in general. Uh, from any just motivation or inspiration tip, number one, keep God first. Seek him above all things first. And I guarantee you, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. That means everything, friends, cars, clothes, money, jobs, whatever. If you are seeking him, then you don't have to worry about the underlining because that's going to be there. 
And again, get you people around you that's going to speak life into you and be for the betterment of you, not for the damnation of you. Because you already know that there are people, it's like the negative mountain and the high mountain. All right. The negative mountain is so high, but the, the positive mountain is so low, but the negative mountain is so easy to get on. Yes. But the positive mountain so hard and ain't very many people over there. The Bible also talks about it's easier when he was Jesus was telling a parable uh, to a rich man. And then the rich man was like, hey, what do I need to do to enter into heaven's gates? And he told the rich man to go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And then the man was looking at him and then the, the, the disciples asked him why he said that. He was told him it's easier for a camel to go into the end of uh, the hole of a needle than a rich man to sell all he have and give it to the poor. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Listen, I'm like, listen, Jesus said, listen, I'm selling this. Hey, go ahead. Give it to this because number one, I'm seeking you. So I know you're going to take care of me over here. And that's got to be our number one thing. But we also got to have that support system that we need and stay away from that riffraff, especially the young guys. Listen, I know it's fun. I know she's fine. I know all of this going on, <laughs> but you have to stay focused um, and and go in the direction that you're supposed to be going rather than what you see on TV. I know that's right. You know, one consistent thing that everybody I've interviewed has said is the importance of making sure you have a good support system around you. Know, mm -hmm. Making sure you just get good people around you. So Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. Good stuff. Well, you know, I started this interview. I asked you what you did for a living, and you said you were a man of multiple hats. You know, you're an entrepreneur. You're a motivational speaker. Um, you're a husband. You're a coach. You know, you do everything well, and I'm really thankful that you – we're able to carve some time out and drop some gems of knowledge to people. I also know that you have a lot of projects that you're working on. So I want to give you a moment to, to pub these. Um, I'm definitely going to put all these links on the websites because we didn't go too much into recruiting, you know, and all these things like that, because we can, we have a whole nother session on that, but oh, yeah, he, has, he has books, he has podcasts, guys. He has all this information. That is his specialty. Um, and I definitely think you guys should check it out. So, you want to go ahead and just take a moment and give them ways to contact you and your websites? Yes. Yes. So our website is KBJ Academy. So you can go to our website at www.kbjacademy.com. All of our services that we offer and a lot of the things that we do, products that we sell, like our book. Our book is called Play College Basketball. Again, we wrote that book based off our experience as coaches. Being out there in the recruiting world, uh, just educating people on the NCAA clearinghouse, the NAIA clearinghouse, all these things that a lot of players, athletes, and parents wouldn't know outside of the coaching world that you need to know if you inspire. Because it's not just show up and play. It's way more that goes into being a college athlete. So that book is educating you. Uh, and we're, we poured our knowledge in that book for sure. We didn't leave anything on the table. So you can go there. We've been doing a lot of shirt campaigns uh, this last campaign that we've been doing as far as a shirt campaign goes. Uh, it's a black or blue shirt that you can purchase. It says be quick to listen. It's part of our, you know, Black Lives Matter fight. You know, we we in that all lives matter, but all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Um, so we have we've we've done we've that. That's our last shirt. We also just finished a shirt campaign. It's called um, Tired of Excuses. Um, that's another one. And we have a Coffee with KBJ podcast shirt. 
which leads me to the podcast. Yes, we have podcasts. All of our seasons are on there, but we are in season seven. Again, the podcast is called Coffee with KBJ. We have another podcast that's called Hoops with KBJ. So you can look either one of those up. They're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube. You can hit us up on any of our social media feeds, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. We do have a YouTube channel, Talking Sports and Everyday Topics for sure. And um, yeah, man, I mean, that that's it. If you want to if you guys want to email us for any reason or you need basketball tips or just um, you want to book us for something else, you can email email us at K, uh, KBJ Academy dot at I'm sorry, KBJ Academy at Gmail dot com. So, yeah, that's our email. address. And like I said, he has testimonials, newspaper articles, and I can attest myself. These guys, I was asking them questions about recruitment. And just going out of their way, you know, taking the time to respond to me, man, just speaks to the character of this couple. Um, and like I said, this is just about black men, but they are a duo. They're, they're really good at what they do. Man, I support them. And like I said, I'll be putting all this stuff on here because I'm all about supporting black businesses. Yeah, man. We appreciate it, man. Thank you again. Thank you again so much for having me, man. And I appreciate it. Yeah, that connection was definitely mutual when we met each other, too. I could see because I, I remember when we first call all the athletes up and we set them down on the floor right in front of the bleachers. And I told, I whispered to my wife, I said, see that couple up there, man, he checking us out, man, kind of seeing what we're about. You had that posture in your neck, like what they about to say. (laughs) But I like, I like seeing that because I'm like, no, he really cares. You know, some people, you know, you see them, you see their posture or demeanor and you observing them. They're like, man, I'm just here for whatever. But you, you was, you was checking everything out and rightfully so, you know what I mean? Because again, you were investing in your kids. Like you, you had something, you know, of value that is going through this and you want to make sure it's right. That's good parenting. That's also a testament to the type of man that you are. So the feeling was mutual as far as like the connection and what I was observing, just like what you was observing from my wife and I, man, and um, again, it was just an honor to, you know, vibe with you on your podcast, man. Oh, yeah. Good ups with the podcast, man. You, man. I checked some of your old um, recent episodes out, man. Good stuff. Great stuff, Appreciate man. It. You know, from one podcaster to another, you know, it's like therapy for me. So I know it is like you too. Yeah. And uh, I will tell everybody, listen, this man right here, Mr. Dr. J, Jerome, <laughs> listen, he he's not one of them people that doesn't practice what he preach. He definitely walks out what he talks about. And that's one thing that I peeped with you when I first met you and that I heard also on your previous episode on your podcast, man, you're a man of of good faith and good honor and good words. So I appreciate that. That's for sure. I appreciate the love, brother. Like I said, this is Mm -hmm. an avenue for us, you know, being vulnerable and sharing. So invaluable stuff. Um, I see your post in the background. I know Luke is playing right now, man. So I, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't want to hold you up too much, man. But we definitely nah, gonna be in touch, man. You know, maybe something in the future, man. We might have to get some brothers together and have some some relationship shows, man. You know, just kind of go yeah. off the path because I really think that you know that's missing in our communities. Young boys, you know, I try to take them to the side, you know, and but they need to see examples of. It's like you said, we were growing up, we didn't see it. But we learn through trial and error. So if there's any right, kind of way we right. can pass this down to the next generation, that'll strengthen our, our, our community, man, and our families going forward. 
Right. Definitely, man. I, I 100% agree. I mean, sometimes you can't do what you don't see or what you never learned. There it is. You know what I mean? Kind of like, you know, my mom used to tell me, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't teach you what I didn't even know. You know what I mean? So, you know, sometimes we, we, we fall to those bad examples, unfortunately, but when you can present that good stuff out there, you know, now, okay, cool. Either you you got great examples in front of you, so you now you have to make a choice. Either you're gonna follow some good substance, or you're gonna reject it. You know what I mean? So, uh, but at least it's there, and at least it's available. It is. You know, and that'll be the final word, man. I love you, brother, man. We'll be in touch, man. You be safe out there, and tell the missus I say hello. Man, I definitely will, man. Peace, man. All right, man. You take care. Yes, sir. I hope these authentic stories show different paths to success and provide mentorship. Please be sure to visit us at drjinterviews.com for additional content and social media info. Stay resilient.